When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to a special post-trade deadline edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, via Skype today, not actually in person, unfortunately, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the Locked on Blackhawks podcast. Jay, it's finally happened. The trade deadline has finally passed, and the Blackhawks for all intents and purposes, were sellers at the deadline as they unloaded Robin Leonard and Eric Gustafson today. So let's just get get right into it, man. What uh, did you think overall of the Blackhawks today? Did they do about what you expected them to do? Did they maybe do a little less, a little more? What were your first uh, takeaways from uh, the big day? Uh, well, I'm glad you and I are recording this later in the day because it gives me some time to sort of reflect on how the day went, how things have gone, to sort of look historically at what goalies have gotten on the trade market at deadline day, etc. And as I've been sort of thinking about this all day, here's what I'm I'm able to say. I, they got about what I thought, maybe a little bit less. I thought maybe they can get a second-round pick for Eric Gustafson instead of a conditional third. I thought maybe there would be a first-round pick in there from Robin, for Robin Leonard. But as you and I were discussing uh, privately during the day, I sort of let you behind the scenes on one of the offers the Hawks were getting for Robin Leonard, and I think you would agree that it was laughable. Um, so if that was the deal offered by Carolina, which I am not at liberty to share as of now, maybe in a couple days or a couple weeks I can share that information. But if I told you now you would laugh, James, I think when I told you, you laughed. Um, so it looks like the Hawks did get the best deal available for Robin Leonard, which is not probably what we expected. But sort of looking back on the history of goalie trades, it's kind of what happens, right? Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, probably fair. My initial reaction when they made the trade was 
pretty simple. And it was, that's it. I mean, yeah, second round pick isn't, you know, that's nothing to sneeze at. Obviously second round picks have worked out for a lot of teams, including the Blackhawks. I mean, Alex DeBrinkit was a second round pick. I mean, you can definitely get talented players in those spots. And obviously, like you said, you also have seen the goalie market over the years. And it's not like goalies tend to get really big deals done. And in, that includes, you know, the fact that Robin Leonard's a free agent at the end of the season. So, I mean, you, yeah, second round pick, like fine, whatever. Malcolm Subban seems like just a complete throw in player to me. And the more I've thought about it today, the more I'm kind of curious if that actually maybe means something about the way the organization looks at Kevin Lankinen and, or Colin Delia. I mean, yeah, you want to let those guys kind of marinate in Rockford a little bit, but why else would you make a move like that to bring in a goaltender? I mean, you could have easily brought up one of those other two guys to be a backup. Like I don't, I don't really think that Malcolm Subban has much of a future with the Blackhawks. I don't see him being here past this season. I thought it was an interesting decision to bring him back as part of the trade. And then obviously you have the prospect as well from Vegas uh, in Slava, Slava Demin, Demin, uh, teammates with Ian Mitchell at the university of Denver. Obviously this could be part of their, uh, (laughs) their Manny Machado yonder Alonzo play. I guess you could potentially say that worked out. Yeah, that really worked out well for the white Sox, didn't it? But, uh, so you have him, uh, Sinbin Vegas, by the way, had him as the number 16 prospect in the golden Knights system earlier this year. So, not really a thrilling prospect. Like, yeah, he's a defensive guy, uh, uses his physicality, it seems like, to play from everything that I've read about him today. So you basically got a second-round pick without condition, and that's good because the Blackhawks don't have a second-round pick this year, thanks to Andrew Shaw. You got Malcolm Subban, who I don't think has much of a future with the Blackhawks. You got Slava Demin, who is pretty much a lottery ticket at this point. And then, oh, yeah, you retained 50% of Robin Leonard's flipping salary, too. So, I mean, yes, I get it. You're not going to get a whole lot on the trade market for these types of guys. But at the same time, like, I just I look at this trade and I can't help being underwhelmed by it in a lot of different ways. No, it's definitely underwhelming. There's no question about that. But, I, I you know, it, it's. People went into this day wanting to be pissed off about it and wanting to be pissed off at Sam Bowman as they do all the time. And I'm not saying, look, I I said today, I've said time and time again, I think Sam Bowman should be without a job when the season's over. I absolutely believe that. But if we're looking at today in a bubble, which is what we're doing on this podcast, at least at the moment, this is about what these guys get. Remember, again, Robin Leonard's a rental. There's no guarantee he's going to end up in Vegas again. Clearly, neither Carolina nor Vegas was willing to give up a first-round pick for him. Nobody else around the league was willing to give up a first-round pick for him. Mel- See, and that's a weird thing to me, by the way, is that a team was willing to give up a first-round pick for Barkley Goudreau, but not for Robin Leonard. And I know cost-controlled player has a contract for next season, too. But he had, what, 25 points so far this season? Yeah, it's kind of crazy to me that a goaltender can't get a more similar value to that if Barkley Goudreau can get it. But they weren't – where did Goudreau go? Remind me. I'm sorry. Uh, that's a great question. I don't remember. Well, it it doesn't matter where he it, went. Th- th- you can't make that comparison because that wasn't the same team shot. That team wasn't choosing between Goudreau and Leonard. 
right? It, no, it, I'm just saying that's what the market was seeming to bear out. I mean, there were a lot of first round picks uh, given out in trades this time. And I know that what some of these players obviously are worth more than Robin Leonard when you look at it from a long term perspective. But it just felt like the first round picks were there. And the fact that you had to retain 50 percent salary just to get a second round pick kind of blows my mind a little bit. Yeah. I mean, look, there's no doubt at all that it was a disappointing day and that the, that everyone felt like the Hawks were going to get more. But Stan Bowman can't force teams to want his players. You know what I mean? And the, and to think he didn't take the best deal that they were offered is foolish. Of course he did. Now, the question is, did he wait too long? Did he have a better deal maybe a week ago or two weeks ago? Maybe well, better. we certainly are going to get into this conversation with Eric Gustafson. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. Uh, by the way, the... Um, uh, Goodrow went to the uh, Lightning. Right. In, in case Thanks. you're wondering. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, it's completely brain fart. It's been a very, very long day. No, uh, it's fine. Um, but what I was saying was, like, the, uh, the the Hawks have to trade what's being made available for them. And if they, they had traded Robin Leonard two weeks ago when they were two points out of a playoff spot or four points out of a playoff spot, people would have burned the United Center down. Like, we've got to stop looking at things from this position of only from the perspective of Blackhawks fans. We have to be smarter than this. This is an original six franchise, and it sounds like I'm making excuses for Stan Bowman. And I'm I'm going to say it again for the second time in this segment. Stan Bowman should be fired for mistakes past five years ago, three years ago, two years ago, one year ago, etc. Firing Jer- uh, Joe Quenville to bring in Jeremy Cowden. Those are all fireable for me. But today, on on the whole, it's about what I expected them to get. It, did I want more? Was I hoping they would get more? Absolutely. Did I think a team would go nuts and just give up the bank for Robin Leonard? Yes, I did. But it didn't happen. And again, the other offers they were being offered were laughable. Laughable. They got a second-round pick. and a th- So basically, when you break it down, they got a second-round pick and a third-round pick. Malcolm Subban and a prospect for Leonard and Gustafson. And on paper, that doesn't sound like enough. And maybe it's not, but I don't know. I'm just looking around the league of all these like steel deals that were made. Like Tyler Ennis went for a fifth round pick. You know, Andreas Athanasiu from the Red Wings went for Sam Gagne in two seconds. And that's, that's a guy with some control, right? Like I, I just, I'm just looking around to see like, wow, this team really hosed somebody. And I'm, I'm not seeing it. I'm, you know, I don't know. By the way, did the Parise thing ever happen? The Parise thing did not happen. Yeah. That was like hot and heavy all day and there were like graphics made and nope, I guess not. Well, I, su- I suppose a uh, $7.5 million cap hit over the next five seasons for a soon to be 36 year old forward just uh, wasn't really something that uh, appealed to them, I guess. Well, that means you still have time to order your Minnesota Wild Zach Parise jersey from our friends at Triple Threat Sports. 708-478-6090. But not just Minnesota Wild jerseys. Any team in any league, they'll hook you up. And they'll also get your corporation looking good with some polos and some swag, as well as your uh, your beer league, softball team, whatever. So give Chris a call. 708-478-6090. TripleThreatSports.com. Email Chris at TripleThreatSports.com. If you can wear it, Triple Threat Sports can make it. Wanted to get that in while I had the chance. Um, but look, 
I wanted to be really pissed off about today, and I am pissed off about the way the season has gone and the way the Blackhawks have performed this month, but I can't honestly get super fired up about what the trades were today. It's about what I expected. I just don't think you can I, – I, the way I look at this is you can't just look at it in a vacuum of today. You, ha- you do have to look at this from a longer-term perspective, especially – the Eric Gustafson trade, like you said, did get a third round pick from the Calgary Flames. That is about what I expected. I mean, look, his production has not been there as much this season as it was last season. He just isn't good enough defensively to warrant much of a higher price than that. And out, and they do get with the earlier of Calgary's two third round picks. I mean, that's not very small you know, probably a window there, but it's still, you know, something it's about what I expected to get for Eric Gustafson today. The thing that I keep coming back to is why didn't you make a more serious run at potentially trading him at the draft last year Bingo. when his value was probably never higher than it was in that moment. I barely heard a whisper that they looked at doing anything with Eric Gustafson. And the big question ultimately is why you could have gotten like, I'm not going to say like, Oh yeah, you could have gotten a first round pick for him or whatever. You'd have gotten a hell of a lot more than a third round pick for a full season of Eric Gustafson coming off the season that he had with 17 goals and 43 assists, potential power play quarterback. You could have gotten something really good for that guy making $1.2 million in the final season of his contract. The team would have coughed up a lot more, and it just seemed like the Blackhawks were content to just kind of ride with it until they were like, oh, I guess we should maybe trade him or something, and then they got a third-round pick for him. And again, not saying a third-round pick is you know low or anything like that. That's about what I expected them to get for him right now. The big question that I have is why the hell wasn't this conversation had more in June than it seemed to have been had? Well, and the, the, the funny thing about that is you and I and everybody else with a thought on the Blackhawks thought the same thing. Trade him at the draft while the value's high. Strike while the iron's hot. And maybe they thought like, wow, he's a 60-point every year guy. That is a pro scouting issue, which has been the Hawks' issue for years. The amateur scouts are great. The European scouts are great. The pro scouting on this team sucks. It sucks. They very rarely win an NHL trade, right? They almost always are on the losing end of an NHL trade. And yes, a lot of Stan Bowman's moves have been made because of cap reasons, and those are unwinnable trades. But when it's been a purely hockey trade, do I need to remind people about Dale Weiss for Philip Deneau? Must I remind you of that? Let's relive the David Rundblad trade. How about uh, Trevor Daly? How about all these guys that were brought in that either didn't fit or didn't work out here? These are pro. What's the last time the Hawks made an NHL transaction to improve the team that has really panned out? The closest you've probably gotten was the Dylan Strom for Nick Schmaltz deal. True. I mean, I mean, yeah, Strom has struggled a little bit this year, but I would say on balance that at least for right now, the Blackhawks have won that trade. Now, that could potentially change if they can't sign him not to re-sign Dylan Strom or whatever would end up happening with him. But on balance right now, I'd say that probably is about the last trade that I could conclusively say that they won. And it's and that's true. And I will agree with that. But you also had Nick Schmaltz go down for a huge chunk of last year after that trade was made. 
Right. And, and he was doing well then, had a good start to this season. Um, so I shouldn't have used the term conclusively, by the way. That was no. uh, erroneous on my part. But you knew what I meant. That's no. like the last trade that I think the Blackhawks, you can make a pretty solid argument that they won. But you look at what they gave up for Andrew Shaw. And you look at what they gave up for Calvin Hahn. And if those guys had stayed healthy, maybe just maybe we're not talking about selling at the trade deadline. Maybe the team's better. Maybe they're in playoff position. I think that's a reasonable conclusion to reach. However, however, they're both injury prone players. Correct. It's not like Andrew Shaw's concussions and Calvin Hahn's shoulders popped up on you out of nowhere without your knowledge. You knew when you traded for Calvin Hahn, he was not ready for the NHL season. He had to work his way back. So, and look, Andrew Shaw's concussions were no secret, you know, and, and now you're dealing with the fallout of those injuries. Now you have those contracts locked up and you've got to deal with that now. So it's another loss on a pro scouting end. So that's that's the issue. And that, again, brings me to, yes, I believe Stan Bowman should be out of a job this summer. The day the season ends in April, him and Jeremy Cowton should be sent packing for a new job. Absolutely 100%. But. I just want to reiterate again, looking at this day on the whole, I think it's fine. But, James, your point is totally correct about Gustafson. They should have been looking to make that trade this past summer. Right. And, and I mean, every people who listen to this podcast know that I have never been the president of the Eric Gustafson fan club. I've been <laughs> no agitating for him to get traded, get let go, switch to forward. I've basically done everything except strap into a rocket and fire him at the sun. Like I just have not been an Eric Gustafson guy and I get it. But looking at the reality of what the NHL would have looked at him as in June, I'm willing to bet there would have been a team, like you said, that would have given up a significantly better asset than a third round draft pick to get a guy like that. And it just it didn't seem like Stan Bowman was all that interested in really moving anybody off of the NHL roster. He definitely went into the offseason looking to add, add, add. But the additions that he made, like you've alluded to. Not exactly the uh, surest of fire bets when you're talking about guys like Andrew Shaw and Calvin DeHaan. And I get the reasoning behind those moves, whether it's locker room, whether it's adding some aggressiveness to the forward group, talent on the blue line, whatever. But there's all these risk factors. And it seems like Stan Bowman's willing to take some risks with those kinds of things. But then when it comes to trading a guy like Eric Gustafson, a little bit more hesitant. And that really, I think, cost him a significant asset uh, at the trade deadline. No doubt. Want to tell you about our newest sponsor, Fry the Coop. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop, the greatest hot chicken you will ever have. They're in Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Well Street Market, and coming soon to Tinley Park and Prospect Heights. James, I have raved about Fry the Coop's chicken uh, since they opened, and finally their partners of the Madhouse podcast are a favorite topic on the I'm Fat podcast, of course, but I've said it before, I'll say it again, I've had all the Nashville hot chicken staples in Nashville, and every time I have them, even Bolton's, even Prince's, all the classics, I'm like, man, these are not as good as Fry the Coop. Don't believe me? Go try for yourself. Frythecoop.com. Again, come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. I'm at the one in Oaklawn very often, and I cannot wait for the Tinley Park location to open because that's right down I-80. I am home. Lickety split. Cannot wait, but we want to welcome Fry the Coop to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, our newest sponsor. They're about to complete their first month of sponsorship. 
and I hope they're pleased. I know they're pleased. We've had a lot of Madhouse podcast fans tell us they've gone to Fry the Coop and have loved it. So there you go. Fry the Coop. Wonderful hot chicken. You know what? I just I, I need some fried deliciousness after a day like today, man. Definitely. Yeah, today has been a very long day. Uh, really, really, really long day for me. Um, but yeah, I'm glad to be doing the podcast. I'm glad, uh, despite the Hawks being sellers again, we've got a lot of good stuff to talk about. All right, this brings us naturally to the next part of the conversation, James. Robin Leonard's gone. Corey Crawford has the net for the rest of the year. Stan Bowman said today, and explain this to me if you can, that Subban, uh, Lankinen, and Delia will battle for the backup job. How on earth are they going yeah. to do that when you only carry two goalies at the NHL level? I know how. Fight to the death. But, uh, <laughs> well, you know, I haven't really given that any serious consideration. Perhaps that's, I should have. Yeah, that's the only option. That's the only the only option I can fathom. I think Subban gets the call here. Um, I just think they're going to ride Crawford into the ground. It I, sure is. You know what? Okay, correct <laughs> me if I'm wrong here. This is sure shaping up into potentially keeping Corey Crawford on a cheap deal yep. and then bringing up either Lankinen or bringing up uh, Delia for next season and then using that money to address other needs. Am I wrong here? Like, it sure I don't think so. seems like Stan Bowman took a big swing at an $11 million goaltending core, and I don't see him doing it again. Let me ask you this. Corey Crawford right. uh, for two years at three and a half or four million per uh-huh. Or Robin Leonard, three years at nine million per. Why didn't you sign him to that deal then? You don't think he would have taken that? Which one? The three year Robin Leonard. Well, th- th- that whole thing, and I, I, I think you're referencing the Mark Lazarus report. Yes. From a source. Okay. Let's rewind. December, Robin Leonard says, I am not taking a discount. I'm right. not doing it. I refuse. I'm going to make my market value deal. Okay. Uh huh. Last week, Elliot Friedman reports that term is the issue, not the money. Right. And then today, all of a sudden, after a trade is made, there's a source saying, oh, yeah, Robin Leonard totally would have signed for three years and less money. But the Hawks never offered it. They, Yeah, they never specified what less money was. You're telling me. You're t- so you're telling me. It, look, again, take your Stan Bowman hater hat off and really listen to these words. You're yeah. telling me that Robin Leonard said, and let the Blackhawks know, if you want me, I'll sign a three-year deal for less than market value and the Hawks were not interested. Do you truly believe that? No. Okay, well, then I do have a follow-up question. Okay, to that. but I want you to answer my question first. Do you truly okay. believe that Stan Bowman, with all that knowledge, fully knowing three-year deal, less than market value, Robin Leonard will sign on the dotted line, that he was just like, nah? I... I still want to know what they deem to be below market value. If you're talking like $8 million, no, I do not believe that. If you're talking nine, nine and a half million, I do believe that. You do believe, I believe that could have potentially happened. Yeah. But the, here's the, here's the more way more to me, the way more important question, which is who leaked this information? Exactly. I know I have my theory. Well, the timing of it is quite strange. Well, it's yeah, it's totally strange, but it's all well, actually, to me, it's not that strange because I think that Robin Leonard is traded to yet another team, wasn't able to come to an agreement on a long term extension with the team that he was with. You don't what you wouldn't I would not put it past his agent and his representation 
to put this information out there to go. Robin's a guy who just want he wants to play. He wanted to sign a contract in Chicago. He was reasonable in his demands, and the Blackhawks weren't interested in it. That to me is the most likely scenario is that Robin's representation kind of in a negotiating ploy leaked this information about an offer, whether, like I said, we don't know what the monetary offer was. We know what the term was. I just, I think it was in response to those things about the term being an issue. They wanted to paint Robin Leonard as a guy who's willing to kind of be flexible to make things work while still getting a pretty solid AAV on the contract. And I just, that's the way I look at what happened today. That's why I think that this happened. And again, I, for the life of me, I don't know what the monetary value was, but I can totally believe that if he came to Stan Bowman and went three years, nine and a half million a season, Stan Bowman would have said, no, I'd rather take my chances and do this another way. So, yes, I agree with you. I think that I don't, I'm not doubting that. I want to be clear here. Just so I'm, I'm saying, this, I don't think Mark Lazarus is making up a damn thing. Oh, hell no. I think no, 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 no. Source, I've never, I never yeah. said that either. No, uh, no, you did not. And so I think a source absolutely gave him this information, but I think your, your, uh, your knack is right on it. I think that it's someone from Leonard's camp saying, like, I don't know what happened, but let me ask you this. And I don't want to do this, but we kind of have to do this. Robin Leonard, who has been one of the top five goalies in hockey over the last two years is on his third team in two years. Mm-hmm. He was a beloved folk hero on the island. He was absolutely awesome last year. Won the Masterton Trophy. He was beloved. And the Islanders didn't want to bring him back. He came to Chicago. Carried the team for the better part of four months. And they were working on an extension. How intensely, we don't know. But they traded him. Is there something there with Robin Leonard that... Maybe he's, you know, behind the scenes, a little more abrasive, a little more chatty, a little more talkative than teams would prefer. I really like Robin Leonard. I wanted him to resign. I'm going on a record with that for sure. I don't think it's a secret, but yeah, I just wonder, we, we're not in the locker room every day. We're not behind the scenes every day with Robin Leonard. Maybe just maybe there's something to it that these teams that the fans love him, he performs well. Well, then where the hell's the deal for him? That's a great question, man. And it's one that I know that, like, I saw a lot of people weighing in today uh, talking about, you know, whether he's a liability in a dressing room, that kind of stuff. And I know that, again, like you said, it's not something that we've really talked about a whole heck of a lot. But it sure seems to me, just looking at it from the outside, that his teammates really seem to like him. You know, like, it's not it's not a fan issue. It's not a teammate issue. It is kind of strange though that he keeps bouncing around like this and that's what again i think just adds more uh kind of fuel behind the theory that i have that his representation are the ones that leaked that he'd be willing to accept a three-year deal for a little bit less money with the blackhawks i think again that was him just saying look i'm willing to be flexible here to sign a deal that i think is right for me and I don't know. I just, I, I, that's the only motivation I can think of for what came out today. I know the Blackhawks certainly would not have leaked that kind no, of information. No, no, no. That would not have been like, yeah, we could have re-signed it, but then we <laughs> did. There's no way it was that. Are you sure? No. Yeah. You're totally right. Yeah. That, that, that seems like it'd be a really stupid idea. And I know again, everybody wants to hate on Stan Bowman today. I don't think he's that dumb. I hope not. Uh, but maybe he is, who knows? 
Um, the other thing I want to possibly mention too is like maybe it's the brass of these teams that doesn't like Robin Leonard, right? Maybe it's like, oh, he's too outspoken. Oh, he's a loose cannon. You know how hockey is. They're not the most. Pro- oh God. Yeah, they're not the most progressive people okay, in the world. Okay, so wait a minute. Your response to an outspoken guy was to bring in Malcolm Subban. I don't know how Malcolm is compared to PK. I don't know Malcolm. That's a fair. That's a fair point. I don't. I, yeah, I don't for, know his for some reason. I recall him being like pretty outspoken and pretty uh, happy-go-lucky too. Like I don't. I'm not sure. Like that could be a uh, false impression that I've gotten of him as he's gone through his NHL career. But it just it seems to me that like they put so much freaking emphasis on wanting all these guys to basically be automatons. And then they wonder why they're still the fourth or fifth most popular team sport in the U S absolutely correct. And it is incredibly frustrating. And uh, look, we'll never pr- probably know truly what happened with the Blackhawks and Robin Leonard. Uh, look, maybe it was nothing. Maybe this summer the Hawks are like, he's our goalie. We just want to get something for him. Uh, you know, since we were out of the playoffs, we knew we can get him back. Maybe just maybe that's what happens. Right. But I don't know. I'm losing confidence in that possibility as the day goes on, especially after that story from Lazarus leaked out right after yep. the trip. I mean, it was a matter of what, 40 uh, minutes. minutes, maybe yeah. at the most since. And, and that caught everybody off guard. I was like, wait, what? Because we had heard last week they were working on a deal and term was a problem. There's no way the Hawks were like, we'll go two, but not three. No, that no, no, no flipping way. But again, I do think I, I would not rule out the possibility that the Blackhawks and Stan Bowman looked at where they're at right now, where they're at in terms of the development of the next generation of players that are going to make up the core of this team. I am not going to rule out that he looked at spending nine and a half million dollars a season on Robin Leonard and said, we can't afford to have that much money tied up in our goaltenders. We simply cannot. And he went out and tried to make the best deal that he could. And again, I'll criticize the deal all day long and twice on Sundays. But if that's the case, then I understand why he would prioritize it in that way. You know what I'm prioritizing right now? Marishka's. That's exactly right. A poor boy sandwich from Marishka's. By the way, if you listen to the I'm Fat podcast with me and Rick Camp, I shared a glorious Marishka's story from my days in college that I will not share on this show because they pay for sponsorship, but I shared it on the I'm Fat podcast. Joe Zadralovich from Marishka's knows the story, but I urge you to go to the latest Madhouse podcast and listen to my glorious Marishka story, but head out there, get the poor boy. That's what they're known for. James's favorite thing there is the Yodel Burger. We love the twice-baked potato, the mountain of onion rings. They've got great craft beer menu, and it's just a great place. You walk in there, it's family-owned and operated since 1933, and you can tell, and I don't mean that, and that the place looks old and dirty. It's pristine. You'd eat off the floors, but you can tell it's a place that's been managed and loved over the years. The recipes haven't changed. The service hasn't changed. It is a beautiful place that you'd be proud to bring your families and friends to. So go visit our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July and thanksgiving so go to marishka's telling the madhouse podcast sent you or visit them online marishka's.com or facebook.com slash marishka's that's m-e-r-i-c-h-k-a-s james and i are going to take a brief time out and come right back with more trade deadline and big picture blackhawks discussion here on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast for all you foodies out there i'm unwrapping a mcdonald's steak egg and cheese bagel oh look at this steak And the juice running down the side, got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mm. 
and then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mm-mm, grilled onions and a butter bagel too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mm. I participate in McDonald's. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Uh, yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, give it thou the berries. For 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. No, it's from Geico, because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome back in, friends, to this post-trade deadline edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Once again, I am James Nebeau from NBC5 Chicago, and Jay Zawoski from 670 The Score and the Locked on Blackhawks podcast is, of course, with me because, well, we kind of do this thing together. So, yes, that was going to happen. That's true. Um, we spent the first segment breaking down the Robin Leonard and Eric Gustafson trades. We've pretty much uh, said all that we have to say on those two moves. I think it was a very interesting day in Blackhawks land. But, Jay, I do have a question for you, and it's one that I've been kind of chewing on quite a bit today. Are you surprised that's all the Blackhawks did was unload their potential rental players? Are you surprised they didn't go anywhere beyond that? Maybe it didn't even seem like they got close to going anywhere beyond that. It seemed like a very tame trade deadline, all things considered. Yeah, I I was a little bit surprised as we saw that Chris Kreider uh, re-upped with the Rangers that the market for Brandon Saad didn't pick up a little bit as uh, the top available forward became suddenly unavailable. Um, that was kind of when I saw that deal signed, my ears perked up a little bit like, ooh, maybe that means Brandon Saad could bring back a big return. I'm sure they listened for offers on Saad. Um, but look, $6 million player with a year left who's been one of your more consistent performers uh, from the start of the season on. And look, every team needs more Brandon Sods, not fewer Brandon Sods. Um, the question is, though, what does he mean to this team beyond next year? And next year doesn't seem to be a window of contention for the Hawks again either. Um, yeah. With the cap space they have, if they re-sign Crawford for $4 million or $3 million or whatever it is, um, that gives them $2 million of cap space they didn't have this year, or a million, depending on what it is. But you've got to sign Kubelik. You've got to sign Strom. You've got to sign, uh, who am I forgetting, Kajula needs yep. a new contract as well. So there's some work to do. So best case scenario, you get these guys all re-signed and you basically have the same team again. So I don't see where this sudden contention is coming from. Does Ian Mitchell come up and make the team significantly better? Probably not. Maybe you buy out Olimata and or Zach Smith because they're pretty reasonable buyouts and use some of that money for free agents. But I just don't see where the help's coming from. All your top prospects are already here. So where is the help coming from? Maybe they find another Kubelik trade. Maybe they sign another European free agent. Those things are not out of the question. But as of right now, the path to next season looks pretty foggy to me. 
Well, I know I know you're not exactly sold on Nicholas Bodan. I definitely think that he should be given a chance before we say that all of their top prospects are here. Obviously, Ian Mitchell is not here yet, and you need to get him into the fold, and I think the Blackhawks have a pretty good opportunity to do that. Alec Regula is a guy that could potentially come up and uh, make an impact next season. He's on an ELC. I, I think that there are still some intriguing prospects that are going to be in the mix and could end up making uh, some headway on the roster, especially like you said, if they look into trading a guy like a Connor Murphy, or if they, they buy out a guy like Oli Mata, I could definitely see one like one or two of those guys getting some serious NHL minutes. I think the only way realistically right now that they could potentially compete for next year is if Adam Boquist takes a huge step forward in his development, if Ian Mitchell comes in and plays really well, and then if Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook can still somehow manage to fend off the angel of death, basically. <laughs> like Duncan Keith, obviously, is having he's having a really solid season for being as old as he is and having as many miles on the odometer as he does. Keith is having a really strong season, all things considered. And I'm interested to see how Brent Seabrook is going to look with two reconstructed hips next mm-hmm. season too. Like all of those things are interesting to me. And this is a very long winded way of saying that I'm really surprised the Blackhawks didn't look for an opportunity to potentially give themselves a little bit of wiggle room, maybe to give themselves an opportunity to get a little bit more in trade value than they would be able to otherwise with a guy like a Brandon Saad, who is due $6 million next season and then will hit free agency, he's still only 27 years old. Like, he's still a very young man. Like, I, Mm -hmm. for the life of me, don't understand why I didn't hear more trade rumors going on around him. And and a guy like Dylan Strom, I can kind of get it. He's a guy that the Blackhawks probably want to try to re-sign. But Brandon Saad, I am really surprised that that didn't work. Yeah, and to me, the question, James, becomes... If you keep him for next season, is that a guy you trade to the deadline? Is that a guy you try to bring back? I wonder if Brandon Saad is going to be the kind of guy who signs an extension, or you know, is he going to like when he hits free agency? Is he going to be more than six million dollars? I find it hard to believe. I think this was probably the biggest deal he'll ever sign. So maybe just maybe the Hawks know that after next season they can get him back for five or four. And to me, that makes Brandon Saad very. Very attractive. I want to tell you about our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. And now is the time to go to Chuck's. We are right around Mardi Gras. We are right about to hit Lent. And they have got all kinds of special Mardi Gras things going on there. Uh, Look, I've told you all the time, their jambalaya is the best I've ever had. And if you're in the mood for, you know, jambalaya time because it's that time of year, uh, yeah, if I were you, I would head over to Chuck's ASAP and get that jambalaya. They've got a Fat Tuesday Mardi Gras tapas party going on. That's going to be awesome. Uh, Tapas menu with Virginia oysters, oysters on a half shell, Cajun barbecue oysters. Yeah. Oof. Cold tapas. So many good things. The muffalettas there. Seafood bisque. Cajun eggs benedict. Just go on chuckscafe.com, look up their menus, and begin salivating. You will absolutely love it. Go to chuckscafe.com. They've got locations in Burbank and in Darien. Check out their menu of specials, and you will be absolutely blown away.
Like, I get the idea and kind of the hope that the Blackhawks could potentially hope that Brandon Saad would want less than $6 million a season on his next contract. But, I mean, look, he's still only 27 years old. And I think something kind of funny that has happened, uh, especially around the trade deadline and some of the, excuse me, the extensions that have been kind of handed out as a result of it is that people have looked at the Brandon Saad deal at $6 million and said, you know, that's not a terrible contract. Like the, it always seems like when a player signs a contract, everybody's like, Oh my God, he's horribly overpaid. And then it just so happens in situations like sods that it comes up towards the end of that deal. And everybody's like, you know, that's kind of a, it's a little bit of a bargain. It's not like a bargain basement thing or anything. Let's not get $6 million confused with, you know, a huge bargain on a player, but it's not unreasonable. And the thing with Brandon Saad and only being 27 years old is I just don't, I don't know how much of a dip in value you're really going to get with him if he does end up hitting the open market before the Blackhawks could potentially negotiate an extension with him. So it just seems to me that he's one of those guys that he'll probably still get a pretty solid contract when this one is up. And I think that if the Blackhawks aren't serious about signing him back to a deal similar to this one, I think they should very seriously consider trading him. And I don't like saying that because I do really like Brandon Saad, but yeah. that's just the reality of the business, man. You can only have so many guys. What's your number for Saad? How high are you willing to go? Would you, would you, if he was willing to accept just an extension, like a three-year extension at $6 million, would you bite on that? I well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I feel like in this in this type of situation, I do feel like you would probably have to choose at the very least between Sod and Dylan Strome. Then I just I think with so many holes, especially on the defensive side of things, I just think that you're probably going to end up having to make a tough decision like that. I mean, in a vacuum, yeah, I'd take Brandon Sod on a three year deal for six million per. But I, I don't think that it's going to end up being a it's not going to end up being in a vacuum it's only going to be in a situation where you're going to have to decide whether to bring back a guy like a dylan strome or a dominic kubelik or something to that effect and i think that that's going to be a really hard decision for the blackhawks to make and i think that if i'm the one making that decision if it really is strome versus sod i mean logic does kind of dictate that you would have to go with strome just based on age right but i also am i'm of the opinion too that if kirby doc really does turn into a top six nhl center that he's a little bit more uh expendable not not to use the word expendable as in now let's get rid of him but he's he's not as badly needed if kirby doc does end up turning into that player oh man it's tough it's a tough place to be and the fact that strom got injured this year it makes the hawks decision that much more difficult and i think I'm not I, – I think I said this last time we spoke, James. We said it on the uh, Hot Mic app, which was a great time, by the way. Thanks for joining us there. And I did find out, by the way, James, they can do it where we can do it on Skype if we can't get together in person. So we got to work on that for next time. But um, it's a tough place to be. Like, you need to know – you're about to give Dylan Strom a lot of money. But I, and I to as of this moment, as of February 24th at 9.52 p.m. when we're recording this podcast – I still think the Blackhawks should resign Dylan Strom. I'm not ready to give up on him because he's had a slow return from a tough injury. I think he's a good player. I think he's proven it. I think he fits well on this team with the players they have. Um, and I think what I want to see is him at center. Put him back at center. Get Ryan F. and Carpenter off the second line. 
put Dylan Strom or no, Kirby yeah, Dock. Yeah, I mean, come on. Let's start getting your mm-hmm. let's get your skill players playing together again and see what happens. I do completely agree with you that if you're serious about using Dylan Strom in a role moving forward, it needs to be at the center position. I feel like he has a lot more value as a center to this team than he does as a winger. I really agree with that. Well, I know you had some thoughts on Bowman and Cowton you wanted to get out before we wrap things up. So, James, the floor is yours. Yeah, uh, I talked about this a little bit last night on uh, Sports Sunday on NBC that this is a after the trade deadline is over and everything kind of settles down, the Blackhawks really do have to have a very serious conversation about what they're going to do with their leadership moving forward. And we talked extensively, actually, on the show about what Jeremy Colleton has brought to the table and whether or not he is, you know, if he is for sure a goner at the end of the season. And I ultimately ended up saying that there isn't enough that he does well to justify keeping him beyond the end of this season. I think firing him now is probably a completely pointless thing. Yeah, you just have Mark Crawford coach out the string, whatever. But I think ultimately when I look at Jeremy Colleton, for everything that you could potentially point out that he does well, whether it's the development of a guy like Dominique Kubelik or Dylan Strom or Alex DeBrincat, there are just as many things that you can look at and say are very questionable. You can look at the way that Adam Boquist seemingly has worked his way into uh, Jeremy Colleton's doghouse at times just a little bit. Probably more of a bet- a better example for that would probably be Henry Yokoharu. I would guess he definitely kind of wore Jeremy Colleton's patience then last season, and I think that Colleton pulled the trigger a little bit too early in terms of yanking him out of the lineup and not really trusting him to do anything. I thought that was a mistake. And then you also look at this season, if you're going to credit Jeremy Colleton for the development of guys like Stroman to Brinkett, do you also have to blame him when they had, when they hit tough times, especially a guy like to Brinkett. And I know very bad luck for him this season. He's been hitting a lot of posts. I've uh, been, you know, just not playing as well as he did last season. But at the same time, you do kind of have to take that into consideration. If you are going to credit Colleton, for one thing, you do have to be willing to assign him at least a little bit of blame on another. And then obviously the big one for me is just like, what the hell has he done with this power play other than completely torpedo the thing? Like, yeah, they weren't great before but at least they were somewhat competent looking. I don't see a coherent strategy on the power play at all. And when you look at the summation of everything, the defensive struggles, the power play struggles, the everything, I just can't point at a single thing that Jeremy Colleton does exceedingly well. And as a result, it's just like, there's no realistic way in my mind that you bring him back next season. It has to be a different guy. It has to be a different voice in that leadership role as far as I'm concerned. Well, the things he does well, I almost don't even, like you mentioned, like the development of Strom, the development of DeBrinckit. Those are just good players. I don't know if I want to give Jeremy Cowton credit for developing those guys when they were simply just, they're just guys that are good players. You know, and maybe that's a little bit unfair of me, but like without Jeremy Cowton's guidance, would Alex DeBrinckit suck? Or Dylan Strom suck? I don't think so, right? Nah, probably not. Those no. guys are pretty good players on their own. So, Well, I mean, Strom didn't exactly light the world on fire in Arizona, so probably a little bit more willing to give Colleton some credit for him than maybe for DeBrincat necessarily. Yeah, but now he's, now he's putting him on the wing. He's putting him, you know, I, he's, I, I feel like he's now he's doing him a disservice. There you go. See that? And that's what I was saying. Like, yeah, you can credit him for these things, but you also have to be willing to give him blame for the stuff he deserves blame for. 
Yeah. All right. By the way, one thing I was reminded of the other day that I forgot to bring up uh, in the uh, conversation we had. Remember when Richard Panic was a free agent with the Blackhawks and the Hawks were going to, uh, we were talking about, should they resign him, whatever. And then they did. This was back in May of 2017. Yep. This is a damning thing about Sam Bowman that I had forgotten about uh, that was called to my attention recently. Here's a quote from Panic. Okay. Let me find it here. My screen is refreshing because, of course, it is. I'm trying to. Uh, there we go. Here's the quote. Now, keep in mind, Richard Panic was a guy who was out of hockey that the Blackhawks brought in and he had a good season and then he needed a new contract. Yep. When asked about the deal he had signed, the new deal, quote, I was waiting for the first offer to come in, and the first they gave me was surprising, so there wasn't much thinking about if I was going to sign. I was really happy to get the first offer, the really good one. Now, that tells me that Stan Bowman, as we have a ton of evidence about throughout his tenure here, the Brent Seabrook contract most explicitly, negotiates against no one but himself. You don't go to a Richard effing panic and blow him away with the first offer. Yeah. That's a guy you're like 950K. And he's like, eh, how about a million? And you're like, fine, done. Instead, you blow Richard Panic's doors off with the first offer? What? Who are you negotiating against? These little things are damning. These little, little, and we've talked about this, James, you and I, for years. The extra 500K there. The extra million here, the no movement clause here, all these things that Bowman does to put himself in these bad situations where now he can't sign Robin Leonard or can't sign Tavo Teravainen or can't keep Artemi Panarin because of these extra one, two, three million dollars he sprinkled here and there. And a Richard Panic contract that he didn't even negotiate was like, this is what this man is worth based on my math. Here you go. It's fair. And Panic's like, hell yeah. Where do I sign? Just rips the paper up. He signed so quickly. That's, look, people have asked, like, how do the Bruins stay competitive? How do the Penguins stay competitive? Their players take less money to stay in the t- with the team they're on, right? Yes, you had to pay Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. There's no doubt about it. You know who else you had to pay? Patrice Bergeron, who plays for $6.8 million. David Krejci, who plays for 7.2. Brad Marchand, who plays for 6.1. Zajano Chara, who plays for 2 million bucks. Right? That's the Bruins. That's why they're still competitive. I cannot believe that we live in a world where Brad Marchand is basically making the same money as Brandon Saad. Right? How about the Penguins? Sidney Crosby, 8.7. The well, best... there's a reason for that. What? Well, as a a long-term deal, B, when he signed it, 8.7 was pretty close to the top of the league. And then C, 8.7 million, guy wears number 87. I mean, come on. All right, well, that deal was signed in 2013-14. Okay. You, you, well, when, was, when were the $10 million deals signed by Kane and Taves? I believe it was the same year. Let me look that up. What did I just say that one was signed in? 2013-14? Yeah, I don't. I, for some reason, so it was 2015-16. Yeah. It was, so it was uh, two years later. And remember, the the year before that, the cap had plummeted. And so that's why I'm saying the 8.7, it's like, yeah, it's a discount. But how much of one is definitely a question with what the cap situation was at that point. Well, regardless, 
They've got the best player in the world signed through 2024-25 at 8.7 million. Evgeny Malkin, 9.5. Yeah. That deal was signed the year before Kane and Taves signed. And look, I'm not saying that they shouldn't have paid Kane and Taves. Of course they should have. They had won a bunch of cups. They were awesome. They were the best some of the best players in franchise history. But you can't then you can't go on and just pay everybody everything all the time. You can't give Brandon Sod six million dollars. You can't. Well, they technically didn't, but you get the point. Right. Exactly. So yeah. it's these little Sam Bowman mistakes that have cost the Hawks over the years. And now that the talent is kind of gone, you know, Hosa retires, Seabrook slows down and gets hurt, and those guys that were sort of keeping you afloat are now no longer part of things. And the reality becomes what it is. And it's, uh, ugh, you know, say what you want about what happened today. I'm not super pissed about today on its own, but just a long-term picture, there's nothing to me that says Stan Bowman should be allowed to operate another Blackhawks offseason, and if they fire Jeremy Cowton, which I think everyone agrees they ha- kind of have to, should yeah. not be allowed to hire a new head coach. <sighs> it just doesn't seem like they're trending in that direction to me, to you, does it? Like, are they... Does this feel like an organization that's getting ready to completely clean house? Not when they signed apparently they apparently signed their uh, GM to a contract extension last summer. Yeah, doesn't feel um, like there's much accountability there. There is the one thing I will say about that though is that Stan Bowman did not make any massively seismic moves today, and maybe that's because. He's not feeling very certain about his future. That could potentially be part of it. I don't know if he was told not to explicitly by the organization or anything like that, but he didn't seem to act with a whole lot of confidence today, I guess I would say. Well, I mean, from your lips to God's ears, I suppose, because I'm ready for a change. I was a Stan Bowman supporter for a long time. I took a ton of heat for it, but the body of work over the last three, four years has been really, really poor and uh, I think it's time to uh, look a different direction. Just, you know what? It's not even, it's just been a long time. You've got to refresh the organization sometimes. Get a fresh set of eyes on things, you yeah. know, and get some guys that aren't so loyal to the core. I love the core of this team. You love the core of this team. Because of the core of this team, I've been able to establish a sort of, what was the uh, thing Danny Perkins said? Cottage industry. That's right. That, yeah. That you and I have made of this, uh, of this organization. But it's time for a refresh. It's time. New coach, new GM, new ideas. The time has come because this team is not going to free agent and trade themselves back into a playoff spot. If they couldn't do it with Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford playing out of their minds all season long, I don't see what scenario is going to work for them in the future. I I 100% agree with that. I think that it is time for a change in voice and a change in direction in the organization. And I get it. Like, there there is, to a degree, a price to success. You saw it after the first Stanley Cup win way back in 2010. The Blackhawks had to get rid of some guys because they simply were not going to be able to afford to pay every single player that they had brought in. And they ended up getting themselves into some salary cap trouble with bonuses to Kane and Taves and with things like that, that is the price of success is having to deal with those things. But 
What did Stan Bowman do after that 2010 cup? Yeah, he sold off guys like Dustin Bufflin, but then the Blackhawks turned around and won Stanley Cups in 2013 and 2015. How long do we have to continue paying the piper for those Stanley Cups? It's been, what, four or five years now since that happened? Yep. The Blackhawks have won three games in the playoffs since they won that cup in 2015. The piper's done, been paid. I think it's time for them to be able to turn the corner. And I'm just, I really am questioning whether or not Stan Bowman is the guy that's going to help them to turn the page on this thing. It just doesn't seem like he's going to be the guy to do it. Agreed. All right, let's tie a bow on this bad boy. It was a very long podcast. Thanks for sticking with us. I know it was a frustrating day for a lot of Hawks fans, but look, next month, they're not totally out of it. They're eight points out. They have an extremely easy schedule next month. Ducks, Red Wings, Sharks, Senators, the Wild twice, the Sabres, the Kings and Canadiens. 11 home games and only three road games. Hawks are back. Playoffs. Get your playoff tickets now at ChicagoBlackHawks.com. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. For my partner- Sorry, I just hit my head on the microphone. Oh, that was good. I like that. So for the concussed James Naveau, I am Jay Zawoski. Thanks for listening. We want to thank our sponsors, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. Mariska's and Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. And Fry the Coop, come get your happiness at frythecoop, frythecoop.com. Go get the best hot chicken you've ever had in your life. We will talk to you very, very soon on the next Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm, mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. Ba-ba-ba-ba. I participate in McDonald's. The great thing about facts, they're proven. Like the fact that crude oil contains impurities. Or that base oil made from natural gas is 99.5% free of impurities. And the fact that Pennzoil is the first synthetic motor oil made from natural gas, not crude oil. It gives you unbeatable engine protection. The proof is in the Pennzoil. Based on sequence 4A wear test using SAE 5W30. Get a $22 shell gift card with a Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic Purchase. Ends 31421. Terms apply. Details at Pennzoil.com slash oil change offer. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late. And that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. And our Keep Stock Inventory Management Solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com slash Keepstock to learn more. Granger, for the ones who get it done.